welcome to the 17th episode of the podcast F4. We're calling it that since it's easier to say than food and frightening film fanatics. Welcome, Michelle. Welcome. Is 17 a lucky number? Seven's in there. I hope so. It's not 666. <laughs> if, if the episode was 666, we would have done this for a while, wouldn't we? <laughs> yeah. It'd be a really scary oh, man, episode. Oh, be really old at that point. Let's not think about that. Okay. So... Usual announcements, we're now on iTunes and Stitcher. Please give us a five-star rating. We need all the help we can get. We're also on Twitter at Food and Fright. One correction from last week, Doug Jones. He was a starving man on quarantine. He's been in tons of Guillermo del Toro movies, including The Shape of Water, Hellboy. He was even in Hocus Pocus. Uh, He was not on America's Got Talent. I was thinking of someone else, so I want to make that correction. And also sad news, I don't think you know this, Michelle, Lorraine Warren passed away yesterday at the age of 92, and she and her husband, Ed, were the inspiration for the Conjuring franchise, the Amityville Horror, Annabelle, and a bunch of other movies. May she rest in peace. Yeah. So our condolences go out to her family and friends. Um, let's see. Let's head over to the topic this week. And the topic, the movie franchise we're reviewing this week is from Dust Till Dawn. Yay. There are three movies total and one TV series. There's the first from Dust Till Dawn that came out in 1996. It was produced by Robert Rodriguez, Quentin Tarantino, and Lawrence Bender, directed by Rodriguez and written by Tarantino. It stars George Clooney, Harvey Keitel, Juliette Lewis, and also Tarantino. The second one is from Dust Till Dawn 2, Texas Blood Money, from 1999. It was a straight-to-video prequel, again produced by the same people, Rodriguez, Tarantino, and Bender. Robert Patrick, who was from the Terminator series and X-Files stars. Then the third one is from Dust Till Dawn 3, The Hangman's Daughter, 2000, another prequel that went straight to video, produced by, again, Rodriguez, Tarantino, and Bender. And um, we'll get over, go into a few people that were in that a little bit later, but also Orlando Jones pops up as a fuller brush salesman. And I don't know why, but just brush salesman just seems like a very, I never thought of anyone actually selling brushes. So that just talks to me as very strange. And, and I like Orlando Jones. So anyway... That's the third one, and then there's the TV series, and that ran from 2014 to 2016, Um, three seasons total. That was produced, again, by Rodriguez, and it originally aired on his El Rey channel. That's his TV channel that he um, has in cooperation with Telemundo, and did you know El Rey means the king in Spanish? Did you know that? I believe we talked about that. We did? I, it was a while ago. Oh. Okay. Uh, let's see. Seth is played by DJ um, Catrona. Richie is played by Zane Holtz. Santanico is played by Eliza or Elza Gonzalez. Again, Robert Patrick shows up. This time he plays the father who's an ex-preacher named Jacob. Jake Busey, son of Gary Busey also stars as Sex Machine, and his real name, well, his his other name is Professor Tanner on here, and he gives a lot of the the 
backstory about the mythology. And Wilder Valderrama from that 70s show is Carlos in this. And I like him in all these shows. He likes you. I wish, but no. Uh, let's see. Where to find these movies? The first movie and all the seasons of the TV series are currently available on Netflix. And then um, the movies and the TV series are also available on Amazon Prime, but it's going to cost you. None of them are free. And they're also available on YouTube and iTunes. So Rotten Tomato scores. The first one from Dust Till Dawn 1, critics gave it a 63, audiences gave it a 76. That's pretty high. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? The second one, from Dust Till Dawn 2, critics gave it a 9%. Oh. That's a 9, a single digit. Audiences gave it a 20%. The third one, critics gave a 22%. Audiences gave a 23%. And the TV series, there's no score from the critics, and audiences gave it a 75%. So audiences liked, obviously, the first one and the TV series. Uh, but the, I don't see much lower scores, Rotten Tomato scores, than nine percent. No, that's kind of sad. I'll talk about it. Bad. I don't think the movie was that bad. I don't know why it's that low, but I'll mention it in a minute. So the plot for the first movie is, for those of you who don't know, the Gecko Brothers, and that is Seth and Richie rob a bank, um, and then a liquor store. And they leave bodies everywhere they go. And that's because Richie is crazy, has psychic abilities, is schizophrenic. I don't know what. Anyway. And Tarantino. Tarantino likes that stuff. Yep. So he's crazy. They kidnap a father who's Jacob. His name is Jacob Fuller. And their two kids, Katie and Scott. And then the geckos force them to take their RV to Mexico so they can get across the border. Because the police, the Texas Rangers are hot on their trail because they killed a Texas Ranger in that liquor store. Um, So they eventually get over the border, and then they go to a strip club, which is called the Titty Twister. That's quite an interesting name. Where they are supposed to meet their contact, Carlos, and they're going to pay him 20% of their total haul from the bank robbery so he can take them to a place called El Rey. With us so far... So far, it's a pretty straightforward, you know, um, bank heist movie. And then things change. Because at the strip club, there are... Surprise! No strippers. There are Zombies. Zombies. Vampires. Oh. Not zombies. Uh, I don't know about zombie strippers. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Yuck. Uh... So, yes, these are vampires, and these are a different kind of vampires, which is why I like them, but we'll talk about that in a second. So, all, all of a sudden, you know, there's a strip show going on, everybody's drinking, talking, whatever, there's a band, and then uh, a, a stripper called Santanico Pandemonium comes out mm. with her snake, we'll talk about that in a second, and then they lock the doors because these vampires plan to eat all these people. The biker, it's usually bikers and truckers because most people won't miss them. But this, but the Gecko brothers and the family end up in the middle of this. There are a couple of other memorable characters in there, including Sex Machine. And he has a crotch pistol. Do you remember that? It's in his crotch, and then he hits like a little button, and the pistol comes out and shoots people with it. And that's played by Tom Savini, who, those of you who don't know, he's been in a whole bunch of movies, but also... He's a special effects whiz, and he's been on 
done tons of special effects on um, a lot of good movies. I think The Evil Dead, Night of the Living Dead, a whole bunch of stuff. Anyway, he's fun. And then there's a guy named Frost, and he's played by Fred Williamson. So those are the other two characters inside the bar. So the first part of the movie is a... Um, you know, bank heist movie. The second part of the movie is a fight for your life against the vampire thriller. And then, I won't give you the specifics of the ending. It doesn't really matter right now. <laughs> but the final shot of the movie is very interesting because when the camera pans out from the bar, it turns out that that's actually the top floor of a pyramid that's buried in the sand. Mm. So that's an interesting shot. So that's the first movie. Then the second movie is... Oh, and the other two movies don't have anything to do with the geckos, and like I said, they're prequels. But this one has a guy breaking out of jail, and along with some other people, he decides to rob a bank. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> the tie-in with this one is the front of his car gets hit by a giant bat, and then he goes to the Titty Twister bar, where he runs into a guy who is Danny Trejo, who drives him back to his car. But surprise! Guess what? He's a vampire. He's a vampire. That's right. And then we know what happens next. So eventually, everybody turns into vampires, but they still decide to rob the bank for some reason. <laughs> if I became a vampire, I don't think I need to rob a bank. But we can talk about that in a minute. Um, oh, there's a big fight in the end between the vampires and the authorities. I really don't think this movie is as bad as everyone says it is. I actually enjoyed it because there's lots of shots of the vampires, the bats flying around. <laughs> The bat's attacking people. A bat attacks a woman in the shower. She's scrubbing her back with, what do you call those, brushes? Yeah. Brush? Bash, brush? Yeah, those. Brush? And the bat is on the brush. Lufa. <laughs> Lufa. He, he's just Lufa. hanging on the brush for a few minutes. Then he starts to attack her. She tries to, like, punch him in the nose, the bat. I, it's fun. I thought that was fun. Anyway, I guess other people didn't agree with me. Um... <laughs> And they also have some really good camera shots. So they have camera shots that come from inside the vampire's mouth. So oh. pointing outward. So you like look That's outside cool. of his mouth and there's fangs. Well, that's cool. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I think it was 9%. I've seen a lot worse than that. Let's put it that way. Then the third movie's also a prequel again. This time it's a western slash vampire movie. <laughs> Mm. And a bandit named Johnny Madrid is about to be hung, but he's rescued, and then he goes on the lam, and he meets a girl named Esmerella, who's the hangman's daughter, the guy that was just about to kill him. Uh, they wander through the desert because this is really filmed in South Africa instead of Mexico, and eventually they end up at a isolated post known as, I'm not going to say this right, La Tetla de Diablo. That was good. And there is... Danny Trejo still attending bar, and this is the same place that we later later recognize as the Titty Twister. They meet a mysterious Madame Quijota, and of course, same thing happens again. It's vampires versus humans. Almost everybody gets killed, but we eventually find out that this is an origin story for Santanico Pandemonium because. Esmeralda is, guess who? The head vampire. Esmeralda, Esmeralda is really Santanico Pandemonium, and her mother is Quijota. How about that? 
Her grandmother is also there, and as part of the ceremony to make her the princess of vampires, she has to slit her grandmother down the front of the stomach and all these bats fly out. And I don't know what that has to do with anything, but that's what happens. So, so interesting little twist there, and then it became an origin story. And then onto the TV series. So it's the same story as the movie, but the mythology is greatly expanded upon over three seasons. So the first season gets off to a slow start. So I know people have complained about that. You know, don't let that stop you because they're just reenacting the movie for the people that haven't seen the movie. Um, Mesoamerican mythology is added. The vampires are similar to servants. So they're snake vampires, and they're called Calibra, C-U-L-E-B-R-A, and they are immortals who originated in Zabalba, which is hell, and the Calibra were controlled... Wait, so the Calibra were actually slaves to the demons in hell, and they were immortals, and they... Among the Calibra, they were ruled by what's called Nine Lords. Nine Lords. And then Santanico's grandmother is the oldest known vampire, and then we already talked about her mother, and that her father was the hangman. Um, and But here's where there's a continuity issue. This says Santanico was turned into a vampire by uh, Amancio, who was the leader of the Nine. We already just saw in the third movie that she supposedly was turned into a vampire by the ceremony by her mother. So, whatever. No one, I don't think enough people saw that movie to even know that. So, uh, the TV series goes over a ex very extended mythology in terms of we meet many of the nine lords. And then Carlos, we find out some of Carlos's backstory. He used to be a Spanish conquistador who was turned by Santanico. And there's lots and lots of interesting characters in there that I won't go into. You saw, how much of it did you see of the TV series? I don't know. I uh, think you saw at least a season. I don't know. Maybe. I can't remember which one. It wasn't the first one. So, why should you watch these movies? So, they're great fun. And like I said, they add to the vampire mythology uh, by giving it a Mesoamerican, which is, Mesoamerican is uh, Mayan, Aztec, Inca, Olmec, Toltec. I think those are the major civilizations. Also, as I've said before, if you go into this movie cold, you think it's one thing, which is a bank cast movie, and then it becomes something very different. Ready for trivia? Trivia. Trivia. Okay. They used green blood to get the movie past the censors, and then they later added that to the mythology of the creatures. So all the vampires actually have green blood, because otherwise they weren't going to get be able to get it to be rated R. Uh, in Mayan folklore, there's a god called Kamazoltz, uh, C-A-M-A-Z-O-L-T-Z, and his name means death bat. He's associated with night, sacrifice, and death, and there are lots of bats in Mesoamerican culture. Some of them may be based on now extinct giant bats. How about that? In 1988, the fossil of one of these bats was found. It was 25% bigger than regular bats. I mean, when I hear giant bats, I hear, hear, think like pterodactyls. Hmm. How about you? So I don't think they were that big. But there's a lot of bats in that culture. There are also creatures in Aztec folklore known as Civateo, C-I-V-A-T-E-O. They were very pale and were originally women who died in childbirth. Then they were doomed to roam the earth and suck on humans 
preferably children's blood. So what the people used to do was make food sacrifices down by the end of the road there and hopefully keep them busy and away from the humans. So those are two things, that, you know, really in that culture, which is interesting. Um, Santanico Pandemonium has one of the best names in film, in my opinion, and that character was played by Selma Hayek in the original movies or Eliza Gonzalez in the TV series. And that name is actually a 1970s Mexican horror movie. I didn't know that. How about you? Nope. Lots of new fun facts you bring every week. I try. Here's, here's an interesting for you. Selma, Selma Hayek had a severe fear of snakes and had to see a therapist for several months and undergo hypnosis before she could do her role. That's a good one. Yeah, she was committed. A dampier, it's D-H-A-M-P-I-R, is a creature that's a result of a human and a vampire breeding. So Santanico is the only one in this series, but there are those other creatures appear elsewhere. And that's real. That's yeah. a real creature. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. No? I hope not. I hope not. Oh, I thought it was real. I don't know. Do you know anybody that's half vampire, half human? I've seen a few on the street. <laughs> oh, yeah. Harvey Keitel got top billing in the movie because he was a bigger star at the time. This was George Clooney's first film role. Oh, that's interesting. When Santanico tells Seth she will make him her slave, he ad-libs, no thanks, I already have a wife. <laughs> and this later That's stayed good. in the film because they liked it so much. Isn't that fun? That is very fun. That's cute. The movie's name comes from Drive-In, the signs in Drive-In movies, which feature movies from Dust Till Dawn. That's where that comes from. Oh. Texas Ranger Ed McGraw, who bites it early in the, in the movie, in the first movie, still makes an appearance in other Tarantino films, including Kill Bill and both Grindhouse segments. So they keep using him over and over again. George Clooney got this role after Tarantino directed an episode of ER. And a number of other people were offered the role of Seth Gecko before Clooney. They included Antonio Banderas, which I would like to see that. Mm -hmm. Stephen Buscemi, not so much. No. John Travolta, that would have been really strange, huh? No, I think he would have, because he was in uh, one of Tarantino's movies. Yep. And Christopher Walken. Hmm. Yes. Instead of Travolta doing this movie, he later went on to star in Tarantino's Pulp Fiction instead. There you go. Um, there are a number of camera shots, which are the, uh, the familiar ones that we see with other Tarantino movies, including the looking out of the trunk shot. That happens quite a bit. Um, let's see. Danny Tejo appears in all three movies and in the TV series as the regulator. So Tarantino and Rodriguez like to use the same people over and over again, which we've said before we like. And in the first movie, Cheech Marin, you know him? Yes. Cheech and Chong? Cheech and Chong. He plays three different roles in the first movie. He's a border guard. He's that Barker guy that's outside the bar. And he plays Carlos the Gangster. So I don't know if he got paid for three rolls or one, but I think they got their money's worth with him. Good for him. Um, the snake around Selma Hayek's neck is an albino Burmese python reticulus. And that means? Albino. He's an albino python. Oh. He's very famous. He's I yellowish. think he's got his own show in Vegas. Yeah, he's yellowish. Yeah. He's a big snake. <laughs> 
Um, this was Tarantino's first paid writing gig. He only made $1,500 for the script. But this is before he be became famous, a couple years before that. They built an actual titty twister bar out in the California desert for the filming. Unfortunately, at some point it burned down, and then it greatly delayed the shooting. Or someone burned it, huh? I don't know. Um, and as I said before, Tom Savin, who played Sex Machine in the first movie, has done numbers of special effects and already said Night of the Living Dead, but also Creepshow, I think, besides Evil Dead. Um, the bar's band is Tito and Tarantula and has uh, Robert Rodriguez on guitar. Seth's favorite hamburger joint is the Kahuna Burger, which also appears in Pulp Fiction. Guess how many deaths are in the first movie? Uh, 121. Oh, my God. How did you do that? What? There are 122 deaths oh my in gosh. the first That's movie. That's so weird. How did you do that? I don't know. That was so strange. Psychic. No, I'm a vampire. <laughs> You're a psychic vampire. I'm a snake vampire. Uh-oh. Oh, there was also a PC-only video game based on the first movie, and it had Seth trying to escape from prison ship, but it was pretty, you know, it came out in, the, what, 2001, and it was pretty bad. But it exists anyway. And then lastly, of course, you know, Tarantino and Rodriguez went on to... Um, collaborate on a whole bunch of other stuff. You know, Tarantino's stuff, I wouldn't consider horror, the rest of it, but he's very prolific. And then the other pe person that's in a lot of Tarantino movies is, do you know who it is? I have no idea. Samuel L. Jackson. He's been in six movies. Oh, yes. And then Danny Trejo, like we said, has been in a bunch of movies. And then the other collaborations between Rodriguez and Tarantino, I don't know if I got all of them here, are Sin City Grindhouse, and Grindhouse has two different movies in it, Death Proof and Planet Terror. Those are a lot of fun. And let us not forget Natural Born Killers, which also had Julia Lewis in it. Where's Uma Thurman? Uma Thurman was not in this series, but she was in Kill Bill, because actually I just watched that again yesterday. Yeah, she was. Yeah, so those are fun too. I just don't consider those horror. Do you, Kill no. Bill? No. Um, anyway, they're a lot of fun. So that's what I got in terms of trivia. So I, I, I will say it's very interesting that vampires exist in every, it seems like in every major culture, there's something that's considered a vampirish type creature, which makes me wonder what was running around all those years ago that people ended up with some sort of folklore about these things. I'm not saying they're snakes. Or they're real. Or they're giant vampire bats, but it's just weird, you know, that they existed in different cultures that had no communication with each other. What Transylvania. Yeah, that's the real inspiration for the Western version of the vampire, Vlad yep. the Impaler. Don't you think, though, isn't that strange? Yeah, we'll have to, we'll do research on it and give you a scoop. Yeah, it's another thing like pyramids, you know. You have the Mesoamerican pyramids. You have them building pyramids, and then you have the Egyptians building pyramids, and you have the Chinese building pyramids. And you have the Las Vegas Hotel. That's a pyramid. That's a pyramid <laughs> also, yes. So, anyway, what you got for us? Um, something based on vampires or snakes? Well. Or vampire snakes? Um, a, a little uh, Mexican mix here. I have um, the national dish of Mexico is mole. Oh, I it, love mole. And it is um, pronounced mole. And 
It's the national dish of Mexico. It's a tantalizing sauce made from sautéed onions and garlic combined with exotic spices and herbs, ground nuts such as almonds, pumpkin seeds, or sesame seeds. Chilies um, simmered with dark bittersweet chocolate is the um, is the mystery. Yeah, it uh, tastes chocolatey. Taste and that that mole is the is the chocolate and I guess you have to get a a taste for that. I like it. Um, so also, um, Mexico has a famous um, food which is uh, enchiladas. And they date back to Mayan times when people in the Valley of Mexico would eat corn tortillas wrapped around small fish. These, um, these days, both corn and flour tortillas are used, and they're filled with meat, cheese, seafood, beans, whatever you like, vegetables, or all of the above. So there's, um, there's Mexican soups, and we'll send that all to you um, when... Um, Jeanette uh, puts the uh, podcast up, and I'd love to uh, wish everyone a happy Passover, a happy Easter, yes, and a happy spring, and have a wonderful weekend. Yes, oh, and also we won't be here next week because I'll be traveling, but we'll catch up with you the week after that. Stay safe, stay away from um, snake vampires. Yes. And we'll and, talk to you. And if they lock the doors in a room, run. Get out and jump out the window. Yeah, carry steak with you just in case. It wouldn't hurt. Bye. Bye-bye.